Welcome to the Growing Empowered Podcast. I'm your host, Ahuva Hirschkop, mom of three, registered dietitian, and burnout coach for professional women. Through conversations, interviews, and solo episodes, in this space, we unpack the people-pleasing perfectionism and pressure that keep women stuck, racing towards burnout, and work together to create the confidence they need to build a life that lights them up and that they love, not one that burns them out. So let's get started. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Growing Empowered Podcast. I have an incredibly special guest joining me today that I'm very excited about. Uh, Margie Haddad is an international public relations expert, the general manager of must-have communication and consulting, an author, an award-winning TV producer, a workshop coach, as well as a speaker on how to apply public relations practices to parenting, life, and careers. The Power of PR Parenting, How to Raise Confident, Resilient, and Successful Children is her first book. Margie holds a BS in broadcast journalism and an MA in international relations, both from Boston University. She's married and is the mother of three children and lives in Israel and the United States. I have so many things that I'm already like, oh my gosh, that is incredible because I love that you link public relations to parenting. Because I think in so many ways, so often we keep ourselves where we think of our lives in silos. Or like this is my professional, you know, side of myself, or this is my this is who I am as a mother, or this is, you know, my expertise at work, and this is whatever it is at home, and life never works like that. Like I learned so much from my coaching, in you know that translates into my parenting and vice versa. Correct. We do it anyway. Exactly. So why are we why are we trying to stifle the natural? Yeah. Exactly. You know, the, the old school says separate the issues, leave the job at the job and don't bring it home. But our professional skills are one of the elements that make us unique and special. Totally. They're part of our superpowers. Mm-hmm. So I say, use your superpowers to help your children be, the, be their best selves. Absolutely. And I did this naturally as many other parents do. Mm -hmm. I have the benefit, however, of 25 years of retrospect (laughs) (laughs) and 2020 hindsight. Yeah. And when I look back, I understood that I had used my public relations skills to raise my now three grown children. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is my daughter, I have three, well, like I said, I have three kids and number two, it said to be mom, you made mistakes, but overall you got it right. Yeah. I think that you should help the next generation of parents to benefit from your experience and expertise. Yeah. That is actually the reason why I wrote that book you mentioned at the top of the segment. Mm-hmm. It was her idea. <laughs> and when I look back, And I said, well, what exactly did I do right? And to your point, I had used my professional skills. So I think that moms and dads uh, should tap into their inner genius and do their thing. I think that's fantastic. I mean, I've always said, even in in coaching, um, you know, my nutrition clients, right? I I always say, um, Mm -hmm. I am a dietitian, like, you know, in in one side of my things that I do. And I'm like, I'm a dietitian, but I can never take my mom hat off, right? My mom hat influences my professional life also. And there's Mm -hmm. so much that we can learn in bringing our 
whole selves into our professional spaces and in allowing what we know professionally to to impact how we parent, how we live, how we make choices as well. So I think that you said something really important that you use your professional skills, but your sp- particular professional skills. I mean, how lucky are your kids to have a mom who's a dietitian, knows how to make healthy but tasty dishes? That's that, that they have no idea how lucky they are. That's like a small miracle, you know, <laughs> for, for, for the for the parents like me who are ordering pizzas all the time. Yeah, that's a really wonderful professional skill to bring home. And all the parents, you know, the moms listening out there to this podcast, whatever your special skill is, yeah. you know, whatever that is, you should bring that home too, uh, because your kids are only going to benefit. Yeah. And when you do something that's natural, then you're kind of in your happy place too, because you're not pushing upstream. Yeah, You're going with something that feels good and natural and look, you know what you're doing. So bring it on home. I think that's that's what I did with my PR. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because in my coaching practice, so, you know, the women that I'm coaching are high achieving women, right? Like they're good at what they do. And so often I hear, like, I don't understand why I can, you know, argue in front, like, you know, present arguments in front of a judge and I'm phenomenal. And then I come home and I'm like, just, it feels like everything is off the rails, right? Like I just can't figure life out. Why can I not figure life out when I'm really good at this? whatever, whatever profession they're doing. What I think you're offering here is so interesting because one of my favorite questions, whenever I'm presented with something new, instead of, you know, freaking out about it and being like, it's just too hard. I can't do it, which is, you know, used to be my MO. One of my questions is, okay, like, what do I already know about this? What do I, where, what part of this can I start chipping away at with something that I already know? And I think, you know, when we do separate our work and, I don't know, dealing with a five-year-old who's having a tantrum, you might look at a five-year-old who's having a tantrum and be like, I got nothing. Like, I don't have anything. But if you allow yourself to answer that question from other like places in your life, right? Like, is there anything that I know from my, my professional space that might impact or might give me some sort of insight into how to deal with a five-year-old who's tantruming? That's like such a wider knowledge base that you're just operating from. Right. So you brought up maybe two or three different points. I tend to do what that. you just said, which is <laughs> awesome. So let me see if I can break this down a little bit. First of all, you have a superpower, you bring it home. Like you said, this attorney who was arguing in court and then they get home and they're not sure how to deal with their five-year-old throwing a temper tantrum. Yeah. Well, in PR, which is a common denominator in many, many different professions out there. There's always some version of public relations laced, right? Yeah. So think about it. If we break this down and we look at at work, our target audience is the judge yeah. or the jury, right? For, for the, for, you know, we're like taking this case scenario with the attorney. When you come home, your target audience is your five-year-old. Mm-hmm. So how do you communicate to your five-year-old in a way that they will receive your messaging as it is intended, the same way you just did in court, just keeping in mind that you have a different target audience now with limited comprehension skills as a five-year-old would have because they're still growing, limited vocabulary, and with the tone of voice. So it's not just what you say, but how you say it. Like in court, you pick a particular tone and delivery so that your message is received how you want it to be. Same thing at home. Yeah. You know, I used to say to my kids when they would 
carry on. I'd say, you know what? You had and by that point they had a couple of languages. They were speaking Hebrew and English. I said, you have two languages. Pick one of them <laughs> and tell me what you want quietly. Yeah. And sometimes that would be the redirect that they needed. And as long as I remained reasonably calm, because a temper tantrum just means that they're having trouble articulating their interests yeah. and they're frustrated and they're challenged by choice, choosing the right vocabulary to express themselves. That's all it means. Mm -hmm. So we need to back it up, calm the situation down, take them seriously, just like we would take the jury and the judge who might be cross with us for some reason. Yeah. Back it up and then proceed again with choosing the right messaging, the right tone of voice and the right delivery. So absolutely. And one thing that, you know, I'm sitting here, your bio is still next to me on the screen as I'm, you know, reading all the things that you were doing, obviously, while you had younger children. As mm -hmm. somebody who, you know, is a public relations expert, you know, has a business, was a TV producer, like so many things, didn't have training as a parenting expert, let's say, right? How did you have the, I want to say calmness, but really sort of you know, the wherewithal, like the patience that so many of the clients that I'm working with feel like by the end of the day, they're coming home and they're fried or they're feeling, you know, a lot of women come to me because they're experiencing burnout. How did you navigate doing all of these things and be able to be the calm patient mother who was able to even see, you know, my, my child needs me to stay calm or they need me for me to, to talk like this because that that is, you know, something that a lot of the listeners will aspire to. Well, let's, let's make a definition here. First of all, I'm not a parenting expert. Don't claim to be one. <laughs> uh -uh. Also not a psychologist. Don't yeah. claim to be one. Yeah. Just a, You're a person with experience. I'm a person with experience to use an approach naturally that worked yeah. out. Yeah. And because it worked out for me, I'm hoping that these same approaches will work out for the people who are listening to this podcast. Yeah. Okay, now, calm. I would get upset only if there was an intentional sass. Okay. Like they knew they weren't supposed to do it and they did it anyway. Yep. I wouldn't get upset over mistakes because we all make mistakes and we're all human. So... It was kind of case by case. And when I came home, or quite frankly, very early on, I started working out of my house. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of juggling going on, which means there were always interruptions. Yeah. And after a while, I just thought, you know what? I had interruptions at the office. It's no different. I had to have respect and not blow a fuse at the office. Why would I blow a fuse at home? Just take yeah. it and do the same thing that you would do at the office, which is take a break and maybe enjoy some quality time with the kid, depending on what it is. I mean, if you're breaking up a fight, that's one thing. Yeah. If the kid just wants your attention and they're, and they're asking you for a gazillion things just to get your attention, then you go, okay, give them the attention and whatever it is, unless it's like a crucial deadline, it can yeah. wait. You know, if you're doing the laundry or the dishes, guess what? You're going to have dishes and laundry tomorrow anyway. So what's yeah. the difference? 
Totally. It, it's not that big of a deal. My pile's been going up and down for 25 years. And I don't think I've ever seen the floor. I just, so. I just posted actually yesterday. I was like, I think that there's gremlins who just sneak into my house on the weekends and just throw laundry into the, the hamper just, you know, for fun, because I don't understand how this is humanly possible. <laughs> It's, you know what, it's not. And you know what, that's kind of the good news because when you don't have laundry anymore, it means the kids are out of the house. Exactly. And then it's quiet. So, you know, what would you prefer? Like lots of laundry or, you know, or no laundry and the kids gone. Yeah. I I, I like to have a busy house. So yeah. that's, it's, it's the trade-off and perspective too. So mm -hmm. when I was going into the office, I would come home and be happy that I was with the kids and have that as mom kid time. And then I would go back to work later on because I was always working because I was in international public relations, still am. And then when I started working out of the house, I just juggled. And yeah. I listen, moms do a million things. We have 10 balls in the air at any given time. Mm -hmm. We're all used to it. Not a big deal. If something falls onto the ground, it's okay. Yeah. I think that's the biggest piece where people, especially in, you know, who are trying to juggle 15 different things or, or they're not entirely sure, you know, which balls they actually should or want to be juggling. Right. It almost feels, especially in this age, um, I know this is, you know, very much how a lot of my clients feel like, especially in the age of social media, it feels like every single day, there's another ball that's thrown at you where you're like, and now you need to do this. And now you need to make your kids fancy lunches. And now every kid needs 17 activities. And now you need to also, you know, and everyone's sort of just grabbing the balls and juggling without ever really thinking, like, are these ones that are important to me to juggle? And then one that you don't even care about falls. And you're like, I'm, I'm a worthless human being because I couldn't do it all. No, no, no. No one's 100%, 100% of the time. Give yourself a break. Really my kids used to make fun of me because I'm not from the cooks. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I can do short order cook things, but my husband is actually the one who does the cooking at home. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. One year for when they were in kindergarten, they asked my son what kind of cake my his mother was going to make for his birthday. And he, he says, Oh, my mother doesn't make cake. She, she buys them. <laughs> So I decided that that year I was going to make the cake. Uh -huh. I went out and I made, I made cupcakes. I made the effort to make cupcakes. It's not that I physically can't do it. It's just not one of my pleasures or passions. Yeah. Everyone has their thing. Cooking is not mine. Definitely. So I made these cupcakes and I put them in these wax paper things that you put the cupcakes in. Yep. Kids. Nobody told the kids to take the wax off. They all took a big bite into the cupcakes and they bit into the wax paper and they all spit it out. And when I came into the classroom a little bit later, I saw that all the cupcakes were in the trash. Well, <laughs> that was the last time I made cupcakes. It's perfectly fine. What's my point? It's perfectly fine that I dropped that ball. It's yeah. perfectly fine that I went to the local bakery and got a cake with whatever picture it was. Totally. The idea is that the kid had the cake. How you got there does not matter unless yeah. that's like your thing and then you have the kid in your kitchen and you cook together. Totally. In our house, it's my husband who cooks with the kids. So they learned all their culinary skills from him, which is way, way better because he does it better than me. So- yeah. You know, why do things have to be so traditional? Do what works for you. I think that it's also 
a lot, a lot of it is, and I say this all the time, like anyone who's listened to the podcast has probably heard this 10 million times, is when we don't understand our why, we stay very connected to the what, right? And I say this all the time about being a runner, right? Like I love running, but I've also, I have twins. I've had another pregnancy, you know, like then had twins, had a high risk pregnancy, like all of, and there were times that running wasn't accessible to me as a thing that I could do. There are a lot of people who I know who, you know, have major issues now from continuing to try and stay stuck to the running because they're a runner, right? Like the what? Without ever asking, okay, what does running give you, right? Why are you doing this thing? And where else can you get that? And I think it's the same thing with anything that we're doing in parenting is very often, I mean, again, we live in a world where you're presented with images all the time, right? And you're like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. When in reality, exactly, you know, to your point, okay, why are you doing the, the cake, right? Because you're celebrating your child's right. birthday. It doesn't have right. to be a homemade cake. You can you can play around with the what when you're super clear on your why because there's a hundred different ways to do a hundred different things. That is correct. And you have to do what works for you. Look, I had a million things going on. So baking a cake at that particular time, I made the effort, it didn't work out. I mean, the cake itself was actually delicious. The wax paper didn't work out so well and that's what yeah. they tasted. Yeah. And it was so comical, but I just decided all that effort and look what happened. So I was kind of discouraged and just decided, you know, from now on, I'm just going to buy the cake. Or alternatively, I used to bake the, the the chocolate chip cookies, the blue ribbon cookies from Mrs. Fields. Back yeah. in the day, we didn't have the internet to source. We actually had real books. Yeah. <laughs> so I had a recipe from this book that I got in the United States and everybody wanted to know what my recipe was. And I just said, it's a secret recipe and I cannot give it out because back then you couldn't source on the internet and they love these cookies and they were so easy. I said, if I can make them, anybody can make them. And I would make 120 of them and bring them into the classes. Now, yeah. as much of a disaster as my cake story is, I hit a home run with those cookies to the point that until today, my kids run into friends now and they're in their 20s, okay? Yeah. And they run into friends that they knew in elementary school and the kids are still asking about the chocolate chip cookies two decades later. You want to know the funniest thing though, is that we had that same cookbook growing up and my sister, who's two years older than me, is she never cooked, but she would bake. And mm -hmm. so she would bake the blue ribbon cookies. Yes. And I wanted to learn how to cook. And so I would learn, I want, I learned how to cook and she learned how to bake. But I think that it's like, it's, I say also the first time that I was ever in the kitchen with either one of, you know, with my parents, my mom did all of the cooking. My father can make toast, I think, um, was, you know, for Pesach, for Passover, like we would each get a boxed cake, like one of those mm -hmm. boxed cakes that you would empty mm -hmm. the cake mix in and add your egg. And I would get the chocolate one and my sister would get the coffee cake one. Right. And they, we, they would bring them to the table and everyone would ooh and ah, and it was a whole big to-do about the fact that we had made the cakes. We didn't do anything. Like we added an egg to a pre-mixed thing, but it felt no different to me as a child, right? The, the important thing was my mother was trying to bring us into the kitchen so that when we were presenting the meal that she had 
slaved over for hours and we had added an egg to a cake mix, we felt great about our thing being there. Right. And okay, so, but you know what else it did? Okay. You're describing something really important for the concept of PR and parenting, which is these are exercises where you think out of the box. Yeah. Okay. Cause in PR, we're always told to think out of the box to create some wonderful event at home. That wonderful event was an interaction, an interactive activity with your parents where you're putting the egg into the, to the, yeah. um, the, the mix. Right. And then you have this wonderful end product that serves to increase your confidence and yes. build yourself massive buy-in also like I was so once I had that cake and and it was well received I was like I wonder what else I can do right there was Correct. so much buy-in for me to continue developing a skill or exploring you know my capabilities when I was like I made a cake like I did this thing and everybody right. was you know so like so into it I guess Right. So it builds your self-esteem. It builds your confidence. Now let's, let's argue with the flip side. What if the cake was a disaster? The net result of that is your parents saying, we had a great time together. Mm -hmm. The point, the fact that the cake didn't work out makes no difference. It still tastes yeah. good. And we can try this again tomorrow until we get it right. And yeah. that my friend is resilience. Because yeah. not everything works out well. Totally. And we have to guide our children to be able to enjoy the successes, but also be able to deal with the failures and know that there's always a round two or three yeah. or four. You get as many chances as you want. So one of the things that my clients struggle with the most is having their own back through failure. You know, is this sort of like perfectionism? We have to get it right the first time. And when they don't get it right themselves, it's the, it's the, I don't even want to try something because I'm not going to get it right on the first time. And I'll tell you for the first, probably like 25 years of my life, so guilty of this. My husband will, you know, used to always joke, like you do what you do and you do what you know how to do, like, because you don't want to fail at something else. Right. And being an entrepreneur means constantly failing at lots of things until you figure out what works. And so that has really been my personal exercise in, mm -hmm. you know, in developing that skill. Right. But I think right. that one of, one of the hardest things really for, for a lot of the women that I'm coaching is that like exactly what you're saying is the, maybe it won't work out and then what, right. And what if their kids are upset that they failed or knowing how to guide them through that when they, their first instinct is then also going to be, I screwed this up for my kid. You know, the cake didn't work out and I gave an activity that now my child feels bad and that's even worse on me. Well, it's it's all in the positioning. Yeah. Okay. So let, let's go down to something basic in, in public relations. Whenever you feel like you didn't get something right the first time, think of the concept of the press release. Okay. There's no such thing as a perfect first draft. I've been in PR for over 30 years and I was in media before that. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as the perfect, perfect first draft. You have to go back and edit and edit and edit and edit and edit and then 16 million people go and see the same document and everybody's got an opinion. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it really is okay. Here's the point. 
when you make the cake, when you write the press release, when you try something new in your business, good for you that you're trying in the first yeah. place. Well done. Well done that you extended yourself, that you tried something new. Well done that you learned something from the experience. Yeah. And sometimes we learn more from our failures than we do from our successes. So I say, whenever you get on yourself, give yourself a break and just remember there's no such thing as a perfect first draft and expect that everyone's going to have comments and that's perfectly okay. And if the cake falls, guess what? There's more flour at the store, go get some more flour and whatever else, or go get your Pillsbury, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, and try it again and do it until you get it right. Totally. I think that's, that that's so powerful, even in the description that your daughter said of why you should, you know, write this book, because she didn't say you are a perfect parent. And so you should definitely help other parents. Like the ability to be able to even raise kids who can have the perspective of like, you made mistakes also, and you are still a great parent. Like it doesn't have to. And that's such a, a relief, I think, to a lot of people who have to hear this message again and again is being a good parent or being a, you know, a, a parent who's going to raise healthy kids doesn't mean that you play every situation perfectly or even that you don't lose it if the cake falls one time and you don't have the perfect reaction, right? Or you don't say the most supportive thing to your kid. It's not about never making mistakes. Mm -mm. But I think that's where a lot of people get sort of tripped up is especially for the high achievers that you know that I coach, like we, you want to do everything perfectly. It just doesn't exist right. in the realm of parenting or in any right. realm, and, but definitely not in parenting. <laughs> and I'm as type A as the next gal. <laughs> I like everything to be just the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Every comma in its right place. And guess what? Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, yeah. look, one of the cool things about this book, a couple cool things about this book, actually, it's the first time that we're linking public relations to parenting yeah. and looking at it through a brand new lens with a brand new approach. The other kind of cool thing about it is that this is not this is not about just successes. It's about failures. I walk you through what I did right. I walk you through what I did wrong. Yeah. Okay. And keeping my calm, eh, sometimes yes, sometimes no, depends on what it was. Yeah. Look, I'm a Scorpio. I was born the year of the dragon. <laughs> I'm fiery. <laughs> <laughs> It's a genetic thing and a timeliness thing. Yeah. So sometimes things would be so over the top. I would just be like, I have no words. Yeah. And sometimes something would happen or something would be said and I would just completely, well, let's just say go high volume. Yeah. Okay. The other thing that we do in this book is we give exercises. So at the end of each chapter, the reader has an action plan of how to address or how to approach something similar in their life. Because even though there's certain things that are universal for all of us as high achieving working moms, yeah, okay, we also have our unique take on it and we have our color from our communities and whatever's true. 
to our own unique situation. Mm -hmm. So it's not one size fits all and it's not cookie cutter. Yeah. So we look at these things, keeping in mind the universal, but also the keeping in mind the specific flavor that needs to be added to make it right for you. Yeah. And there's actually a Hoova, a anybody who gets the book gets a um, buys the book gets a free workbook Ooh. to go with it because look from the very start I I wanted this to be something tangibly helpful so I asked before I even started writing the book I mean after we got the idea from my daughter so I I was speaking with a couple of working moms and I said okay I want this to be helpful from the start yeah. what is it that you want to know and then I'll take the PR and show you how to apply it yeah so the, the moms told me, I want to know, how do you handle crisis management when it's a health situation? How yeah. do you handle a crisis when it's like in the street, like with bullying or terrorism or something like that, or like the shootings that are going on all over the place? Yeah. And the really easy stuff, like, how do you get, how do you get your kid, my kid, I need to get rid my kid to get rid of their pacifier. Yeah. Without massive trauma. The older, the older one just had like a ton of tumult. And I want it to go easier. Any ideas? Yeah. How do I help my child to express themselves clearly and to not only be articulate, but also to have good writing skills? How do I yeah. how do I exercise that and, and, and enforce that and guide them from the early days? How do I instill self-esteem? I mean, we went through all these different things that the moms wanted to know. And that's what these 10 chapters are built on. So at the end of each chapter, you're invited to go to the workbook and actually workshop yeah. all the things that you just learned about and read about in the chapter so that you have a tangible action plan. This, this whole thing is part of a movement, a PR parenting movement that I hope starts with me, but that I really, really hope continues for generations to come. So yeah. that not only will the parents of today benefit, the parents of tomorrow, working moms of tomorrow, the high achievers of tomorrow can say, you know, what? my mom taught me that I'm going to teach my kids that too. Yeah. But I love the freedom that you're sort of talking about to make it, to take it from the universal to, you know, something that you can apply, because I think that's, I think that's a lot of what's personally that like that confidence is a lot of, you know, what I work with clients in my program, uh, the Unapologetic Living Code, to to hone the ability to start asking the question, what's right for me? But I also think that it's something that's missing in general advice. I don't know why it's so funny that I was thinking about this this morning is mm -hmm. that I was thinking about, you know, business coaches mm -hmm. who sometimes, you know, I follow on, on Instagram or on, on LinkedIn or, you know, social media, wherever. And how, you know, some people will say, oh, because I was making my bed this morning. That's why we'll, we'll say, you know, you have to make your bed in order to be successful. Right. And the next coach will say, I don't know why everybody says you have to make your bed to be successful. I've never made my bed to be, and I'm successful, but I did do this. Right. It's always like, there's a very definite idea of what you need to do to be successful at work, to be, you know, a good parent, to be like, I don't know, a good partner, whatever it is, there is a right way that's being prescribed almost, as opposed to what you're talking about, which is here's a way now, you know, 
you, you apply it to a way that's right for right. you. Fine tune it, fine exactly. tune it to what is right for you. And this is actually something I'm going to address one by one and personalize in a program I'm going to start to offer in May, May yep. 24th, it will start. It's a five week program so that we can deep dive with a small group of high achieving working moms or yep. the average working mom, however you consider yourself. Okay. If yep. you're a working mom, you want to try a new approach. You want to deep dive into the, the approaches and the, the way of thinking in this book. I'll be happy to help you do it and, and get into it and um, get very specific yeah. and, and help you out. I genuinely want to help the next generation. And I figure between the book, the workbook and the program, that's the best way to, to do that. Absolutely. And by the way, I'm nice, but I'm tough and I'm very direct. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get you there and we'll get you there together. Yeah, I think, and I think that that's really, you know, a lot of the support that, that I hear people craving is, you know, I have like the, the point B that you're sort of seeing, but missing that, you know, bridge, that connecting bridge to, okay, but how do I, you know, I have a vision, I have what I want my life to look like, or I have like the parent that I want to be, or the working mom that I want to be, but zero idea of how to bridge um, to actually get there. So that sounds like a, you know, a really excellent program that can, can help so many women get there. Thank you. I, I hope so, because I know that sometimes like I'll read a book mm -hmm. and I'll get the workbook and that's all well and good. And I'm inspired and I get new ideas, but then I really, really want to talk to that person who wrote the book Yeah, and sit with them and say, well, this is what's going on. How would you actually apply this? Can you walk yeah. me through it? Because this yeah. is my particular vantage. That's what this program is going to offer. And because there is, well, my, my son's going to be 26 soon. So now I've got 26 years of PR parenting experience. And I really hope that all this retrospect will, will help the next generation. Yeah. I mean, that's the same way that, you know, I structure my program is there's all mm -hmm. the information. There's 12 modules of information that you can take. And nine per, like 90% of the time when people come to group coaching calls, I, I end up redirecting them back to like, here's an exercise. Here's one of the action tasks that I think you should go back to this week. But it really is being able to have someone's eyes on a specific situation that's happening to you. Um, because even sometimes when, when you have all of the tools, right, and then you're in that stressful situation, you're in that crisis mode, like your prefrontal cortex is not firing. It's, you know, you're going straight back into just, you know, whatever old thing you were doing before and being able to have someone give you the skills so that when you, it, it can be useful in the moment and it is useful in the moment, it's not just, you know, there's this really nice piece of information that you know, and then the thing happens and you, you know, the, the slate is totally wiped clean and you just respond the same way you have a hundred times. So what was really cool and to your point, you know, you say to yourself, is this book really going to help? And I had 15 beta readers on this yeah. because I want from all different types of backgrounds and different places in the world, because I wanted to get different perspectives and, and try to cover it all. Yeah. I beg. <laughs> and I got this text message from one of the moms who read the book. And she said, I was with my kids and I was in a crisis. And 
I thought about your first chapter and instead of freaking out, I took a deep breath and it took me three minutes to fix the problem. Thank you very much. And I'm like, oh my God, it helps somebody. Yeah. That's the first did one. It. Yeah. And that's all that I know because she's yeah. the only one who wrote to me. But I was so excited because if I was looking for a sign, there yeah. it was. Totally. And I was so grateful that chapter one, which is about crisis management and how to deal with crises, yeah. all, all different types of crises, actually, that it actually helped her to keep her focus. And instead of spending multiple hours and freaking out in front of her children, she was finished problem solving. She told me literally, I have it in writing in three minutes. Yay for her. Incredible. Really good for her that she, yeah. you know, she took a page. Yeah. And lovely, lovely woman. And um, I'm hoping that all the other lovely women out there will be able to benefit just as well, especially considering that everybody's in your community is a very high achiever. Yeah. And I know that we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. And when we put a lot of pressure, it's a pressure cooker. And eventually the pressure cooker is going to blow. Mm -hmm. So Let's take a step back, read chapter one, ladies, <laughs> and then work, workshop it out and you're going to be just fine. You know what the, the interesting thing is, I'll, you know, share personally that like, I actually had to start realizing, and I shared this on Instagram, I think last week to some of my clients definitely do the same thing is right. mm -hmm. um, in order to, to not rile myself up, but to sort of psych myself up, to get stuff done, to get myself into like you know, the laundry needs to get done and this and I have to do work and all the things I would almost, I could feel my body firing with adrenaline, like almost getting myself into crisis mode. Because then when you're on crisis mode, I'm like, oh, I can do everything in 30 minutes. Like I can get everything done. Right. Like I'm, when you're operating from adrenaline, you can do, you can lift, well, you know, whatever you want. And so I actually think that that first chapter that you have on crisis might actually just be very applicable to a lot of people's day-to-day -day in if you're so used to firing with adrenaline, um, being able to redirect to a new way of doing something, even when it's, how am I going to get the dishes done and the laundry put away and the whatever before I start work on a day-to-day? -day? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. And you use the word adrenaline. I... The only time I feel adrenaline anymore, actually it was last week, my daughter got me to go down two water slides. <laughs> she loved it. It was absolute torture to me. Totally. One of the water slides was in a very lar long tube in pitch blackness. Oh, The God. other one was going down and up and over and I have vertigo. So I was just <laughs> thinking, oh my goodness. Aside from that, very rarely do I yeah. feel adrenaline. Yeah. When I look around and it's a mess and the dishes are piled up and the laundry's piled up and everything's which way but loose. And I'm thinking about all the work that I need to do for the job or what have you. I just take a deep breath and I go, okay, what do I want to tackle first? Yeah. And I start in one corner mm -hmm. and Listen, Ahuva, after you've been through so many crises in all sorts of different departments, after a while, it's just another crisis. Yeah. Okay. 
And you'll you'll see in that chapter one that we keep referring to, there are all sorts of different types. And especially if it's life or death, you really have to keep your cool. Yeah. There's no time to waste with freaking out. Freaking out is a waste of time. And I'll show you how not to freak out. I'm going to also show you a new way to look at time. Okay. Which is really kind of a fun thing. And it's something that we, I learned as a public relations professional and then I apply to my daily life now. And I'm going to teach you a way in 20 seconds or less to build self-esteem in your child. 20 seconds or less, I can give you three or four different things you can do in 20 seconds or less. You can actually do all of them in the same 20 seconds. Amazing. To build self-esteem in your child. I really, really hope that this next generation of mom, working mom, power chick, will have an easier road, a smoother road using these public relations practices and their own superpowers. I wanna remind you that your superpowers are core and key to who you are and what makes you special. And yeah. I want you to celebrate yourself and say, yay for you. And not to waste your superpowers on making cupcakes if those are not your superpowers. <laughs> uh, yeah, or if you make the cupcakes, that's okay. Just don't use the wax paper. <laughs> big, <laughs> big, big mistake. <laughs> Well, Margie, this, this podcast episode is going to be coming out the week that uh, that the book is coming out, which you said is April 4th. So where can everybody find the book? Where can everybody find more about you? Because I have a feeling that people are going to want to know. Thank you. Okay. First of all, you can follow me on Instagram at Margie Haddad, M-A-R-J, like Jerusalem, I-E-H-A-D, like David, A-D, like David. You can follow anything that has to do with the book there, as well as on the book portal, which is PR for F-O-R period life. You can find the book there. You can also find the book on Amazon. And if you want to check me out to see what I've been doing for the last 25 years in terms of public relations, my business website for medical PR, because that's my specialty medical PR is mhc-pr.com. Amazing. And the book comes out April 4th, published by Muse Literary, run by Sarah Cannell and Patricia Fors. And the program begins on May 24th. So sign up. And you'll get all sorts of really cool things as a first time participant. Amazing. And we're going to put all of that in the show notes. Margie, thank you so much for joining me. This is an incredible conversation. Thank you for having me. It was lovely to speak with you, Ahuva, and wishing you and everybody in the audience the absolute very best and every happiness. Thanks for listening to Growing Empowered Eaters. Before you go, remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Leave us a five-star review and take a screenshot and send it to me over on Instagram and my handle at Ahuva, A-H-U-V-A-R-D, so that I can say a proper thank you for joining me on this mission to Growing Empowered Eaters.